In every job that must be done, there is an element of fun. Fun, 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 fun. Light speed to the wondrous and wonderful. Cover is not the book, so open it up and take a look. Ah, if it isn't the only bookworm in town. What's that word again? Inspired. I have to sing. I have to play. The music, it's, it's not just in me. It is me. We're happier when you don't sing. Welcome to Notably Disney your ultimate podcast covering Disney music and books. I'm Brett Knackman, your host. Here we dig a little deeper and explore the great wide somewhere about everything under the Walt Disney Company umbrella as it pertains to tunes and writing, from the theme parks and television screens to the Broadway stage and the silver screen, if it relates to anything Disney songs, soundtracks, books, articles, or other things that you can listen to, or read about involving Disney, we'll examine it here. On October 1st, 1982, the world became a little bit smaller and concurrently larger through the introduction of Epcot Center, with its two main areas, World Showcase and Future World, bringing cultural artifacts from across the globe, as well as technological innovations on display in Future World. It's a really unique amalgamation of a park in that it's a world expo in many ways, a place for discovery and curiosity to be fostered, to make connections and build community with folks from maybe your own backyard or even another country. And Epcot has always held a special place in my heart. And in honor of its 40th anniversary, it only felt fitting to have a conversation about its past, present, and future with two fellow podcasters who similarly appreciate the park, and that's Emily McDermott and Courtney Guth of the Book of the Mouse Club podcast. So we're going to talk about our memories of visiting the park, what it means to us in a variety of ways, and what we're hoping for as Epcot enters another decade. So join us as we take a trip through Epcot. Well, it is the 40th anniversary of Epcot, the landmark destination at Walt Disney World, uh, and we have been among its many passengers, not just on Spaceship Earth, but uh, as folks who have traveled through time and space at the really wondrous park. And joining me today are Emily McDermott and Courtney Guff, hosts of the Book of the Mouse Club podcast. Uh, They've been uh, frequent guests on Notably Disney, and thought it'd be great to involve them in just a kind of open-ended conversation about Epcot's history, what we love about the park, what we miss about its past, and what we're maybe hoping for in the future. So welcome once again, Emily and Courtney. Thank you so much, Brett. It's great to be back. Yeah, thanks for having us. This is going to be fun. Well, I'm looking forward to just diving right in. And I didn't really provide much of a script for this. I thought this would be more of a uh, just a general conversation. But I am kind of curious if if each of you could just briefly share Uh, what your initial experience to Epcot entailed, if you remember that very first time. 
Okay. Well, my first visit was when I was like seven months old. So I don't remember that. Uh, but I recognize my privilege in that I got to visit the parks often as a child. And this would have been the early 90s. So about 10 years uh, into Epcot's history. Several of the classic Epcot attractions were still around. So I will get into my affinity and memories of those. Uh, but I would say Epcot was a park that grew on me. I absolutely loved Journey into Imagination and the Dreamfinder as a child. But it was more when I reached my middle school and high school years that I really took a liking to World Showcase and had a fondness for illuminations and like more respect for the park as I as I grew into appreciating it. Yeah, I think I'm the same way where I had things I loved in different places around Epcot. Like I know I remember I always loved the boat ride in uh, Mexico, uh, Grand Fiesta Tour, uh, because it reminded me of It's a Small World and I loved It's a Small World. Uh, so like I had things that I loved in different pockets. Most of Future World I loved because that's where all the attractions were. And as a kid, that's what I wanted to do. Um, we had shows like, we'll talk about things we miss. I loved Food Rocks. That's like a staple in my family. And we missed that one a lot. Um, but then eventually as I grew up though, then it became a full day park for me um, on a personal level. Otherwise I'd be like, let's go to Epcot. I want to hit like my seven different things. And then I want to go somewhere else when I was a kid. Um, and then come back for fireworks. I did always like the fireworks because with the lagoon, they're so much closer to you. So I always liked how they were like right there in your face. Um, but it wasn't an all day thing. Like you said, Courtney, until I had a better appreciation for, I liked walking through the countries, but I would do it pretty quickly as a kid. I was like, cool, this is pretty and move on. Uh, but now I want to look for every nook and cranny. I want to try every restaurant. I think once you become a foodie, then you really appreciate World Showcase. What about you, Brett? Yeah, I would I would echo that sentiment as far as World Showcase growing on me. I don't think I appreciated it until I was more or less a teenager. But um, my first experience was at age seven, and my dad having a conference in Orlando was what brought us down to Walt Disney World. And as luck would have it, uh, he actually had two conferences, two opportunities in the same calendar year. So this was like right before the millennium celebration. So it was really exciting to be at Epcot around that uh, really transformative time. So Courtney, your first time was under a year old, even though you don't have a recollection. Emily, how old were you? I really don't know. I too, my family was pretty frequent goers until um, around 2002. We used to go every other year. Um, and it used to be kind of a big trip, like not just my family, um, but we have my my parents' two close friends, so family friends, we always vacation together every summer. We always go to the beach. We still go to the beach together. They're going on like 40 years of doing vacationing together with their friends. Um, just like I Epcot. Hope, I hope we're all so lucky. Yeah, just like Epcot. Um, but every other year we would add Disney World with these family friends. So it wasn't just like me and my family. It was always like a group activity. And it became more of my more nuclear family Um more when I got towards middle school and high school, then it kind of, we became just like the four of us would go um, more so than like the big group of like 10. So I actually, I don't remember how old I was first time I went. My parents, uh, the first time I went, my mom was pregnant with me. She brought my sister when she was two and I was not completely in existence. <laughs> um, so uh, technically I guess, but uh, probably when I was like two or three, 
because if they went every other year, it probably would have been my, my sister was five-ish when I went. So I probably was like two. Gotcha. Well, and it seems like over time for us, we discover different aspects of Epcot that we enjoyed more, whether it be the sure. food or in my case, World Showcase, I, you know, it I would kind of fly past it. It was more of like, okay, let's, let's meet some of the characters. Let's go to the American Adventure. And and that was basically it. Um, one of my funniest, fondest memories was meeting Esmeralda and Phoebus back when they actually had a hunchback presence in the parks. And I remember Esmeralda kissed me on the cheek and I was super, Ooh. super uh, embarrassed uh, as a seven-year-old kid. But uh, yeah, it was, uh, I mean, and, and that remains a mechanism for many kids to appreciate World Showcase, right? It's to meet Belle, it's to meet Mulan, mm -hmm. it's to see characters in their natural environment so to speak did you ever do the kid cot fun stops love kid cot i think i was too old for that i think okay. i was like a teenager by the time that mm -hmm. started did you take advantage of that i did yeah back in the day it used to be they would give you a mask like it was just a piece of paper stapled to like a home depot painter and then you could color it and then get stamps in each of the countries they also I, had like cutout charms that they would like hook on the map yes and they country. sold a pack like that was free but then they sold a passport they might still sell it um that had i remember getting the passport stickers and like a a button i don't know that i ever got the passport but i remember doing the mask but i don't think i ever completed the mask like i would start coloring my mom would be like courtney we gotta go <laughs> and i would like get four stamps and forget to finish it but now they have coloring sheets they're like postcards. like a sponsored ziploc bag uh and i i have grabbed each of the coloring sheets because they feature the newer uh mickey animation style that's in runaway railway um and there it's the characters pictured in each country with zany scenes and when uh, that premiered like probably like four years ago I loved kid cut i was the kid i went to every country and i think that's what helped it. me integrate into that and you know it's smart that's how you get kids to stay engaged uh with something that's a lot more culture based something that's more food based it's not a lot of attractions although we'll talk about that that's changing um so i definitely was the person that benefited from that targeted demographic of get the kids to go through world showcase because i have i think i still have one of my masks i had one time it was duffy when duffy came to the parks they had duffy going around oh, wow. the world so it was Duffy on the paint stirrer, and then you still got all the like. I remember that paper. We were older at that point. Like I think that's school. when I was. I think they were doing Duffy too when I was on my DCP program. Yeah, he was. Still so around. I probably did that just because they were being on my really program, cute. I wanted to do everything. Colored Duffy's like the the cultural representatives would color in mm -hmm. Duffy and have them on display, and I was always just so entertained by like the art yeah. that they would do. So I loved Kid Cot. I also am actually bringing up old memories. I was there for the Millennium Celebration. So I went to Millennium Village. Um, that is a pretty vivid memory. That's probably mm -hmm. the earliest, that would be 2000, that I like really remember stuff about Epcot other than like, I know I've seen the fireworks. Um, that was a lot of fun. They had the whole parade thing. That's where I first ever got the passport. And I remember getting, and they still sell like the coins from around the world. You can get like a one cent coin from all the different countries like they have something like that um and we got my sister and I got really into that going to all the different booths in the convention center and then traveling around the world and I really liked how they used that celebration um, of the big new year to 
celebrate the world in a way. Like that was kind of cool because it wasn't like a Disney celebration. It was just like, this is something everyone around the world is celebrating, which was cool. What do you all remember from the Millennium Village? Because I have two specific things in my brain, but I'll let you go first. (laughs) I remember, I think it was a cast member who was, I think it was Brazil because they had other countries present. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just remember going to a bunch of cast members learning how to say like hello in different languages. That was a big thing I remember. And I remember the like, were they like a marionette kind of puppet or something that was in the like these giant like stick figure kind of people that were in the parade maybe it's very possible i, I need to google some images right remember now. these eggs that you walked through that were like the four seasons it was weird i don't really know what that had to do with the new millennium but like there's like a wind tunnel in the fall one and it was warm in the summer and then i remember the israel portion like i feel like there was a game or something represented there huh it sounds like that that first uh exhibit that you mentioned courtney was almost like a walking representation of test track right like the heat room the cold room (laughs) they just took the same technology yeah so what i'm remembering oh i'm sorry no just go ahead i was gonna i was just gonna say it's cool to me that that building is still there yeah but i remember Mm -hmm. the millennium village i have have either of you returned to world show place for any special events i haven't been able to know uh, i have and it, it feels much sm- it's not small by any means but like it felt bigger to me as a kid just based on like what was set up because now it's more used for like special events and so it's mostly just like oh here's some tables and a, a stage uh post-covid like right after the parks reopened they had put some of the food and wine festival things in there as a space so i think that was the first time and probably a long time that it was just regularly open for park goers outside of a special, you know, paid event. So I did some quick Googling and what I'm remembering, there were these like tall puppet like characters in the Tapestry of Nations parade. That's what I remember is Tapestry of Nations, oh, of which course. was really okay. cool. And Courtney, a picture of the Israel um, pavilion, or I want to say pavilion, but like they're section their booth booth kiosk uh that came up which is yeah a lot of this it's a lot of colors i remember that oh here's the map you had chile and village green brazil i remember brazil so brazil was there scotland so they were featuring a lot of countries that aren't all countries that are not in world showcase so it was just more countries added which is really cool yeah, that's, I, I wish I had more vivid memories. I do remember walking around seeing um, some like different stands, but it, it wasn't a place that I experienced for very long. If if anything, what really stands out to me in terms of just an exhibit marketplace, so to speak, is Innoventions, where I mm-hmm. spent a ton of time. Did which, you have a favorite attraction there? I loved the, and I'm not sure what it was called exactly, but basically the, the like the home of the future with all yes. the technology and they obviously updated mm. that over time because I was just always into like wow could this be in my living room oh my gosh once <laughs> Sorry, I'm like laughing thinking about it my mom and I went in there and it wasn't working and so it just became really awkward <laughs> and my mom and I were like trying not to laugh but like you couldn't escape because it was kind of just like 
one way in and one way out and like everything the guy was trying I felt so bad for the presenter but it's just a really funny memory that I have of that I know exactly like which house thing you're talking about I never got to do the sum of all thrills the one where you designed it always had a long line and I was like there's no fast pass but I remember you could ride a Segway at one yes that was fun I got to do that a few times I didn't do that at Epcot, but I was able to briefly do it at the Disneyland version of Innoventions. And I remember, so this is kind of dating myself. I remember using a, like one of those uh, flip phone cameras for a a photo, but for some reason it didn't take. And that would have been my one like piece of visual evidence that I wrote a segue and never, never happened. I'll text you. I have a picture probably deep on Facebook of me writing one and I will send it to both of you. I have my what was awesome about interventions and I think what was really illustrative about Epcot in so many ways and I think Millennium Celebration represents this is that it was always a state of becoming it was never terribly stagnant right like toward the end of interventions lifetime the exhibits stay the same but for the most part you could always expect something new and different and similarly across Epcot more broadly like you know, some some attractions would would only be there five or ten years. It's only more recently where we've seen some of these uh, experiences perhaps overstay their welcome, but um, or or maybe just kind of uh, feel forgotten. But what, what's your sense of as far as you know, Epcot was always meant to be this, in terms of the original concept, this experimental prototype community of tomorrow. Of course, it didn't manifest quite in the way that Walt envisioned. But this notion of being an exhibition of corporations and culture and different common human experiences to what degree do you feel like Epcot uh, fall through with that message at least in your experiences and being in the park over over the past few decades I like the explanation I've heard of the concept now as like a permanent world's fair I'd see that more in its original um iterations, especially with all of the sponsorships that funded a lot of the future world projects, like pretty much every single pavilion was presented by something, whether it be Exxon or, uh, you know, AT&T sponsored um, Spaceship Earth at one point, uh, as well as the pavilions around World Showcase. I, I believe there was concept art of having like World's Fair type booths in Walt's vision for Epcot. So I do feel that they did it in a way that made sense since, you know, Walt wasn't there to have the futurist dream of like, people are going to live here, um, but they could follow through on the idea of a place where technology is showcased and where people come together. I think we really moved from the technology part, like how could your future life be better? And we're kind of a approaching future world now kind of like how we wanted to see Tomorrowland continuously update where it's futuristic kind of more in a fantasy sense versus like actual future because it'll have more staying power uh, we can talk about IPs but I think they still have it in the sense of the culture aspect the way we've continued with festival after festival um, I really love that Epcot's become the festival park um, to me it feels like seasons almost in Florida that has minimal change of seasons, um, that you have different times of year that you can keep going to Epcot, especially in World Showcase, and do something different throughout the entire year. It keeps people coming to Epcot um, at different points. Like I know I keep trying to plan new trips, um, actually sometimes around Epcot that, hey, I've gone during 
Festival of the Arts, I've gone during Food and Wine, but I haven't been to like um, Festival of the Holidays since my program. So I'd like to go back at a time when that's going. So I think that's really cool how it can get people to want to, to experience new culture. Maybe it's all drawn in by food, but then inadvertently you learn other things along the way while you're going to get your food at your kiosks and uh, getting to interact in that space and with new culture. So I think the culture aspect is there that learning uh, the community part, I think is still there in Epcot, uh, even if the technology piece has maybe moved on. Yeah, I see some parallels too with just the notion of the new area being entitled world celebration because that's what Epcot seems to be per your point, Emily, about festivals being ultimately the epicenter of, of what Epcot is, particularly for guests who uh, may live in the area or go frequently throughout the year, that that is a mechanism to go back um, and have reason to go back even more so at times than than the attractions or shows themselves. And, um, and I do feel like there has been that leaning on the culture and shared human experience of just um, enjoying one another's company as opposed to investing in uh, major attractions, although certainly Guardians of the Galaxy um, uh, upends that point. But but what do what what are your fondest memories of being at the park um, over the years? Whether it be in terms of attractions or times you shared with loved ones or or other people, what what stands out to you in your Epcot experience? Well, I had some recent good memories in the last two years. Um, Cordy, I was going to bring up at so in two trips. Uh, one, when I came down, we, I came down to see, um, was it happily ever after before it went away, which now we know is yay, it's coming back. Um, but we hit up Epcot and it was also the closing weeks of Epcot forever. And I had never seen it. And of course we're going to do it. We're going to go see Epcot forever. And all weekend, we just kept getting the best fireworks seats. It was I don't like know how we did this somehow. Um, this is they hadn't brought back um, the dessert parties, dessert parties yet. So the at Magic Kingdom. So for that one, but they also haven't hadn't brought them back at Epcot yet either because well, we weren't in a dessert party space for that one. I thought we were, um, but it was that area um, in the UK where you can like go down towards the water, right and by the we Yorkshire were, County Fish and Chip Shop. Yeah, we were just towards the back, and we're like, we got a good standing room spot. This is nice. And then this family of four, like 10 minutes before the show starts, just leaves. They're like, Where, do you want these seats? We're leaving. And I'm like, are, are you sure? The show's starting in like four minutes. And they're like, oh, no, we're done. And so then, then we got seats. Wow. We got front row seats like, right, right on the railing. On the no one blocking the view. So that was awesome. And then my sister and I randomly came down. Uh, she, We were just, you know, you get in those reels when you're scrolling. And I just kept sending her stuff about Festival of the Arts. And she just texted me one day. She's like, I found a $300 round trip flight. Do you want to go to Epcot this weekend? And we did a one day trip. We went down Friday night, came home Sunday morning. Courtney was great and let us crash on her couch. No, in and, my guest room. I would, sorry, I would like room. recognition of the wonderful trundle bed. That is you do have a great trundle bed. We are adults and we have guest rooms now. Um, <laughs> so that right now stands out to me because I loved how spontaneous it was. Again, for a festival, we were, my sister had never been. And we were just like, why not? Let's do it. And we did a 48 hour trip to Orlando and back just to go to Festival of the Arts. And it was awesome. Those were both very nice memories. I'll take us back 
30 years or so, uh, a little, little short, because we are all 30 years old. We're just 10 years younger than us. That's true. Um, yes, exactly. We missed the first decade. Uh, but I, I alluded to this earlier. I loved the original journey into imagination. I think just based on what you two have described as your memories, I'm sorry, you both might not remember it pre-Eric Idol, uh, but it was I will, I will be the Lorax of the dream people and speak for the trees. It was, it was so good. If you can look up a video, like it just really honed in on the power of imagination and how that informs both the arts, the sciences, the dream finder is a delightful original character. And I really enjoyed meeting him in the parks. I have a few photos that I, I cherish from my time. Like I was a toddler at that point, um, meeting Dreamfinder with Figment. Um, Figment didn't speak, but the Dreamfinder did. And I just have fun memories. Like we we took a trip with my uh, my aunt and uncle and my cousin and my cousin's the same age as me. We were probably like three. And I can recall Figment eating my cousin's hat, like <laughs> chewing on it. And I just thought that was the funniest thing. And so really just, I took to that character maybe because- it was a very entertaining ride uh, for a child in a park that maybe didn't have as much to offer at that time. Um, so I absolutely loved Journey into Imagination. And I, I'm a figment girly, but I'm like, look, it's not the figment that you see now. My love for figment goes deep and is nearly as long as my life. <laughs> I'm glad because- that figment is still going strong though and we just keep getting confirmation year after year that even though the attraction maybe is not what it could be or should be like he is staying oh yeah we're gonna get a meet and greet i'll be there i'm I'm so excited we got the popcorn bucket i was gonna say i got the popcorn bucket y'all but i only waited 55 minutes i did not wait in a six hour line for my popcorn bucket uh but yeah um I'm I'm excited that Figment's still around. And I think, especially with the meet and greet coming, that gives me hope that, again, the p- power of park goers and fans on social media, posting TikToks and pictures and Disney bounds of Figment, um, now that he's like the face of every festival, you know, if we keep doing those things, like we're getting the meet and greet back, which then I hope will turn into that post-show area getting overall redone because that used to be some really fun stuff we used to send a picture every time you would take like that picture you could email it to somebody we would do that every time to my grandparents on every single trip but if you can still go to that kiosk and it is it is ancient (laughs) the pyramid though what is now the dvc lounge that used to be the post show and it was upstairs in the pyramid and the rainbow tunnel bring back the rainbow tunnel bring back the rainbow tunnel it was so good I loved it up there. Start the hashtag and campaign. Hashtag rainbow tunnel. Like in this age of Instagram, bring back the rainbow tunnel and Disney. You will you get imagine? all the marketing you need. Yeah. Forget the purple wall, right? Like <laughs> All about the rainbow tunnel. That's rainbow a great point, Emily. the original though. It is. Pride month at Epcot. Insane. It would be yeah. great. I mean, any day at Epcot with the rainbow tunnel would be great. Yeah, it's missed opportunities, and it's it's so many missed which which we can talk about in terms of what we're hoping for in the future. And you know, some of my my favorite experiences are based on unique experiences. So I, I remember when I was fifteen, we did the Undiscovered Future World tour, um, and that 
and that was my first time doing a like a behind the scenes tour at Walt Disney World. I think only time to date. And what was so neat about it at the time was to, you know, go behind the scenes of these attractions I had such uh, fervor for, including uh, Universe of Energy and getting to see one of the audio animatronic dinosaurs in the back. Another example of having a flip phone trying to take a picture, and I don't have any memory of it, like visual memory, which which is unfortunate. But um, you know, it just it was a it, it made me appreciate the park even even more and and eventually helped spur me to design my undergrad thesis around the history and development of Epcot because I had such an appreciation based on that tour and other experiences. I also did, uh, when I was 13, I actually helped coordinate a family vacation of like 20 people down to Walt Disney World and we spent some time in Epcot. And uh, while I remember having some memories of being frustrated that not everything was going according to plan. And anybody who knows me knows I'm very logistics oriented. It was also a neat experience to be able to, you know, go through the wonders of life in its like final year uh, when it was under seasonal status and, and be with my little cousins. So uh, it's, it's those unique experiences that from being a teenager that stick with me today. I'm pretty sure I was there the last week that that was open. My parents surprised me with a, a Christmas trip and that was christmas 2006 and i think it closed like what january 2007 i was just so excited because it had been seasonal for so long i was like body wars is open y'all yeah gotta love the the antiquated references oh my gosh cranium commando like i loved cranium command see now that we're saying stuff the memories are coming back the making of me that was that was a thing (laughs) crazy but I remember I'm, I'm looking at pictures, like as we're saying stuff, I keep Googling images and it does help with the childhood memories to come back. But like the whole thing when Bugsy, Busby, sorry, eh, Buzzy, Bugsby, Buzzy, Buzzy went missing and everyone was like freaking out. And I'm like, but that attraction's gone. But like he came back. I would love to have him find a spot in the park. Like it doesn't need to be an attraction, but like throw him in Spaceship Earth somewhere, like in a scene. It'd be great. I looked it up. It closed January 1st, 2007, and we were there December 26th through, like, December 30th. So I was there in its final days. But I I don't think I knew. Like, I was... Mm -hmm. We weren't following that kind of stuff. Yeah, like, I I had played Virtual Magic Kingdom, but, like, we weren't talking about Wonders of Life on the forums. And then I was like, oh, it closed. I like, do you guys remember at the Wonders of Life, there were the bikes that you could uh-huh. ride? Oh my God, they like Cycles. invented Peloton. If you think about it. Like, you, could, it you, could, you could ride through, through uh, Disneyland. Yes. Yeah. That was, I loved that. That was fun. I wish that they should bring that back. I would go there and exercise. Who needs a gym membership when you have like an annual pass or access Seriously. to Disney? I- the Wonders of Life was my favorite pavilion and, and afforded oh, so much, right? Those three attractions and then the bicycles, the sensory fun house, mm-hmm. the go- goofy about health. Uh, the I remember there was a, like a little baseball experience. Um, there was so much in its heyday that you could literally spend two hours or more in there. Oh, it was yeah. it was like it was an great Avengers. when it rained because we would go yeah. in the summer. Like you go in there, let the storm pass plenty to keep you entertained as you said and and I feel like another space that um was also interactive and really cool was do you remember global neighborhood after spaceship earth 
yes, in the exit, there was a giant cell phone and I would always call someone on the giant cell phone. What else was in there? I just remember the phone for some reason. There was a, and and there's a video on YouTube, I think it was almost like this, um, like a little capsule and you would be standing on a board and you'd be like surfing through the internet. Oh, cool. Um, and I feel like there was, there's some motion component to it, but there was also this interactive, uh, experience that was tied into the adventures in Wonderland series on Disney channel. I was like, I have this fever dream of seeing the adventures in Wonderland playing there. I was like, did I just like sit down on a chair and watch that? Yeah. They have little clips. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Thank you for confirming that I'm not crazy. And there's a YouTube video. I think, um, podcaster Tammy Tucky has a video of, of okay. that from her experience if I'm not mistaken but there is it is on YouTube so um and you know I, I when I think about the era in which we kind of grew up with Epcot there were also a bunch of you know we're talking about with Wonders of Life how we had Cranium Command and Making of Me which were films featuring celebrities um we also had uh in the land we had the circle of life which maybe didn't have celebrities but it had the Lion King celebrities, we got to see Simba and Timon and Pumbaa talk about how how life works and how how to take care of our environment and how to not, uh, you know, uh, how to look at a dam and say, dam, but a different type of dam. <laughs> <laughs> we'll credit that that show for our generation being environmentally conscious. It's all because of Circle of Life. I feel that was a bit ahead of its time. I mean, certainly like people were recycling and all at that time, but it has become a more prevalent topic. It talked a lot Um, about land use, like building and development because Timon was building his like vacation home and he wanted to like create his water park and all those other things, kind of like Cusco-topia, but for Timon. And yeah, it was a little ahead of its time. Now it's what National Geographic videos are in there uh, i don't think um, it's technically sponsored by them but it's no. just called awesome planet but that would be a great sponsorship bob chapek would love that for the synergy machine yes yes while have, we're in the land i would yes, like please. to talk about living with the land because mm-hmm. if there is one attraction on epcot that has grown into my fondness in adulthood it is absolutely living with the land love um, it no pun intended, right? Grown. <laughs> there you go. Um, for me, okay, I, I don't. I did not like that one as a kid. I was like, I don't want to look at plants. But now I'm like, you know what? This is so relaxing. Never usually a long wait. And they've continued to plus it. I think now living here, I get to see the seasonal aspects. And the Christmas overlay is so good. They They have it open at night which is a delight because it used to like close at seven and they light it up and they put like sandmen instead of snowmen. Um, that, that one has, has grown on me. Thank you for catching my unintentional pun. That was literally pun not intended, but I'm glad that I did that. Brett, going back to one of the, que- the first question you had of how much Epcot's kept with its original message, living with the land really has kept with the, experimental mm-hmm. prototype community they grow a lot of the food that you eat in epcot and in the rest of the parks so they're still continuing that original mission in 40 years of how can we do this part better and be self-sufficient on some of our agriculture now i'm sure it doesn't feed everything in the park but 
I'd like to imagine that it gets a good footprint of the stuff they grow there is what we're eating. I know it is in Garden Grill. Go to Garden Grill, you're eating what you're getting from living with the land, which is awesome. And it's most individuals' first exposure to at least children and perhaps some adults to hydroponics. And yeah. it's it's incredible to think that that attraction has lasted given how so much of Epcot has evolved. It's, you know, the titles changed some of the, you know, now we have the narrated version, whereas when we grew up as children, there was actually a cast member narrating, but it preserves a lot of the same messaging as you're pointing out, Emily. And working laboratories, those are not animatronics. They are real people. Um, my sister will credit that it's the land pavilion, living with the land and food rocks. Uh, my sister got her degree in nutrition dietetics and now works in food production. She credits that to, she loved these attractions at Walt Disney World and Nepcot. Now she does that for a living. Awesome. It really makes me miss, as we talk about them, Food Rocks and Cranium Command, which were these very uh, salient AA uh, attractions. I mean, we had tons of really cool figures and and experiences. There was uh, a high level of comedy, which I think was evident in Epcot in the 90s. And mm -hmm. we don't have as much of that flavor. <laughs> no pun intended. We don't have that flavor. <laughs> we don't have the flavor anymore. Um, and it's disappointing because like literally like I learned about like good vibrations that song because of the, the Epcot peach iteration, the peach boys that was I, a great show I think a lot of the what we're saying we're missing from Epcot is something we're missing I think nostalgically from all of the parks which is having that original park specific characters and park specific music things that they're not they're ip only to the park which is why we love figment because you can't he doesn't have a movie he doesn't have these other things which like i know we'd love to see figment maybe get a movie but it's that reverse um like pirates of the caribbean came first then the movie franchise came we kind of missed that um and i think that's true of all the parks not necessarily just epcot but we see especially with all these new attractions coming in a lot more IP where there hasn't been before, whereas Magic Kingdom's always had a lot of IP, especially in Fantasyland. Uh, so we're kind of used to seeing that there, but this is new for Epcot, having so much other than character meet and greets and world showcase. Can we talk about park-specific music at Epcot? Because yeah, we would be do doing Gosh. notably Disney a disservice if we did not talk about park-specific music at Epcot. Epcot Forever, the show, the fireworks oh, show is amazing because of all of the music. Okay. I have the official album of Walt Disney World Epcot Center on vinyl. And that's because as a child, I had that album on cassette. And that is what I used to nap to, like when my mom <laughs> would put me down for a nap. So I, I have this really interesting relationship where, because again, we we were born 10 years after Epcot had already you know, been open. So I remember Journey into Imagination, but I don't remember Horizons. And I apologize to all of the Horizons fans out there. I think it's because when I was a kid, we went in September. And at that point, the ride was operating seasonally. And like, I'm not convinced I ever wrote that. But I know all of the songs. So there's some attractions that predate my memory. Like the Energy song was not part of the universe of energy with uh, or sorry, Ellen's sorry. The energy song was from Universe of Energy. It was not part of Ellen's energy adventure, but like I know 
all of these songs because they're again deeply ingrained into my subconscious from napping so I'm like this borderline Epcot where I'm like yeah I know all the songs do I remember that attraction not necessarily another funny story on the songs is because Golden Dreams is part of that and you know there's the the whole Martin Luther King speech and then JFK is like that's not what your country can do for you and I remember the first time I like heard that speech in history class I was like that's the Epcot speech that's the one in Golden Dreams so sorry that is my tangent of what a wonderful album what wonderful songs do y'all have favorites sorry I hijacked that <laughs> I mean Food Rocks was always one that we enjoyed um because they had like veggie fruit, fruit or Kitchen Cabaret I That's guess would be the cabaret. original um iteration of that um but both were fantastic uh we usually break Kitchen Cabaret out when we're cooking Thanksgiving meal sorry. like when we're just in the kitchen and you've been there for two hours and you're just like, how are we going to get through this? We kitchen cabaret, veggie fruit. Um, that kind of gets us through. Yeah. You start like dancing while you're cutting, cutting up vegetables and Cha-cha-cha. exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so that, uh, but I remember from when I was watching Epcot forever, I remember it from Disneyland fun, but the making memories. Oh yeah. Love that song. Absolutely love that. What about you, yeah. Brett? Favorites? I, well, and that single, oh my gosh, that sing-along songs episode that we all did, that remains, and for, so listeners can know, that's the most popular episode of our of the podcast. I'm honored. Thank you. It, it was a great discussion. It was a unique discussion. So much fun. But that was what was cool about that that Disneyland fun video is that it integrated, you know, that Epcot-specific song, but in a different context with people just taking pictures. You know, I, I mean, I just have such fond memories of just riding Spaceship Earth and and listening to that beautiful score. At the time, it was uh, Ido Guidotti, if I'm not mistaken, is the composer's name. And, um, and that was the Jeremy Irons version. And for me, when I think about the music, what's always inextricably linked is the narrators, the, the celebrities that really encompassed Epcot in the 90s. So you had Jeremy Irons with Spaceship Earth taking over from Walter Cronkite. We talked about Ellen's Energy Adventure certainly with wonders of life throughout we saw many celebrities of that era and the the music was for me has been such a huge part of my Epcot experience because it enables me to remember exactly where I was when I first heard the innovations background loop even like all these different uh, One of the pieces absolutely so for me, and I've talked about one of the great thrills with this podcast is to talk with some of the composers of, like to talk with Bruce Broughton, who who conduct, who composed Ellen's Energy Adventure, the newest Spaceship Earth, soaring around the world now. I mean, that was an absolute thrill. And there are others too. So uh, the, the music transcends space as you're talking, Courtney, about how you would nap to it. like, And it, it can really affect all aspects of our lives. I listen to Living With The Land all the time the the barn music that that guitar loop i introduced my colleague to it recently and she was like oh my gosh now i'm hooked <laughs> as i study to to work to listen to this so it's pretty incredible something that i wish they would do now that we're in this age of streaming music i have recreated a lot of my disney playlists now on apple i i am an itunes apple music user sorry spotify fans um but 
a lot of those, like Courtney, the album you were talking about, like, why not put that on Apple Music? You can't get Illuminations the way you can get like Wishes, um, a lot of the parade music for parades that are like, you can get Spectro Magic. So if these things are retired for good, why not release the music? Because people will listen. And I miss those a lot. Yeah, there are missed opportunities. And we, you know, we've talked about what we love about Epcot. We have addressed kind of some of what we miss. Are there other elements of Epcot's past? It doesn't always have to just be attractions, but could be dining experiences, uh, exhibits, other elements that really stand out. Um, for me in World Showcase, I well, first and foremost, I cannot wait for um, the, the ambassadors to come back and be part because they make World Showcase World Showcase, getting to talk to people who live in those countries who are that culture to bring that authenticity um, and make the world the smaller place uh, so we can all learn and live together. I cannot wait for them to return. That's a big piece that I'm missing, but also just the street performances that we used to get. Like I loved the Globe play, Globe Theater players or uh, the acting troupe that was in the UK, uh, the mime uh, that was in France. You just had, I'm glad the mariachi band still exists. Please don't go away. Uh, but those things that just had that kinetic energy added to World Showcase, I miss that a lot. And I know we're missing that in lots of spaces. Um, but I would love to see that stuff come back because I think that makes World Showcase a lot more interactive, especially in places that don't have attractions like Remy um, or Grand Fiesta Tour. It gives you some more stuff to do in each pavilion. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the overhaul of Future World to bring back some of those things like hopefully the Play Pavilion continues because I feel like that'll fill the niche that we feel left behind by uh, the loss of interventions, like a great place for kids to to play and blow off steam. Because um, there, there really was, like if it, you got caught in the rain, same with the wonders of life, um, a great place to unwind for a moment um, and explore. Because I think exploration is at the heart of Epcot's mission. And so being the person behind that, like to you know have your own little journey is missing a bit there yeah. also just bring back Dreamfinder. <laughs> i think everybody can agree with that I, I think you hit on something that really stands out to me which is epcot always re representing a place of curiosity and exploration but also education and certainly it's shifted away from that focus at least in the uh what what what's no longer future world area where that used to be so salient and now it's you know there's educational elements, but perhaps it's not as entertainment. Right. The edutainment. It's not as explicit as it as it had been. I feel like the Seas Pavilion still really honors that very uh, apparently. And I think what's nice with that pavilion is it's you can have a good degree of cast member interaction if you talk with the folks, the interpreters, the folks working with the manatees. Um, but the, you know, there's not as much of that. Um, engagement with the cast members. That's what I think you're illustrating, Emily, was so awesome about World Showcase with the ambassadors. I, I would love to see more of that in in uh, the future world or world discovery, world nature, world celebration areas, because the people make all the difference. The cast members, the experiences you have with fellow guests. And I, I do miss that element of, of Epcot's past that was more explicit in future world. Yeah, Emily, go for it. I'm hoping that like with um, Moana's Journey of Water, that we're kind of approaching these new 
at least that's the one I can think of this new IP area, but like how they do um, wilderness explorers in Animal Kingdom, where you're using an IP, you're using a film and characters that people are already familiar with, but you are promoting education through it. It doesn't just have to be all about the movie and where you are in that storyline, like how you visit Magic Kingdom is meant to integrate into that storyline. But can we be like Animal Kingdom where you're a wilderness explorer, just like Russell, and you're learning stuff along the way. It's not about up, it's about learning with up characters, not being in up. I hope it goes in that direction. Yeah, I love the idea of edutainment. I feel if PBS Kids were a theme park, it would be Epcot of our childhood. The the Venn diagram of people who enjoyed PBS as a child and who enjoyed Epcot is a circle, and that circle is right here. Right That's now. the sponsorship we need. PBS and Disney. No kidding. Oh, oh my god, like I, that just dawned on me. But I'm like, y'all, Epcot gives me PBS vibes, or PBS gives me Epcot vibes. But I get it now. Like something just unlocked in my. This, it just explains a lot about my childhood and my life <laughs> course and the things I've pursued. That is a point that I don't think I've ever heard articulated, but makes perfect sense because those shows fostered my appreciation for learning. And, Wishbone. you know, I was just going to say Wishbone. Wishbone could take you around World Showcase yes. and the books that were set in those countries. But again, are they going to make a contemporary version of Wishbone? I don't know. But that what better have a comeback. Bluey around the world. <laughs> but yeah, like, or like the, when we had, was it uh, Agent P? It was mm. Pl- Perry the Platypus. Before that, it was Kim Possible. That was a cool integration that I kind of missed. That was another. I'm bummed. Like, it seems Kid like... was for younger kids, but yes. then like the cell phone adventure where you're going. It was like Sorcerers of the Magic Kingdom, but yeah. around World Showcase with a cell phone. They um, announced that. It was supposed to be DuckTales, but I just feel like because that series got canceled, yeah, that is long gone, but that would have been such a great, but especially now with the update. Disney play app and we have, most people have smartphones now, like you wouldn't even have to like about flip phones. Yeah. <laughs> but you also, I don't think would have to give out anything. No, you would just need to be like, Hey, scan this QR code and play this game as you That's go around idea. the world. Things they could bring back. Yeah, it's just different manifestations of it. The same concept, but in a different age. I do love all the uh, scavenger hunts that they bring now to all the uh, festivals like to do that, which is great. But you could have have that permanent game on that. It takes you a little bit more time. It makes you go into different places, unlock magical things. I liked it because I felt it made me pause and really look at the details of the World Showcase pavilions when playing those. Yeah. So I guess we should foster the campaign for Disney to acquire PBS Kids. But... I don't. Okay, I was gonna say I don't know that I want Disney to acquire them. Oh, okay. Pardon. I don't know if you can. Disney is it PBS? To... I was like, by... that's like government, government? funded. <laughs> that's true. Well, I think it should... Disney but... could still do that. Disney could own but everything. PBS partnership <laughs> brought to you by viewers like you and Disney. Like Disney can give PBS money. I'm okay with that. Or you just need to bring in those show writers who specialize in how do you interact and teach kids through entertainment disney's got the entertainment part but now we need that interaction again of how do you teach this is the teacher and me coming out how do you teach through that interactive play not just 
play because it's fun and because it's interactive and it holds your attention, but play because it's going to teach you something that you'll walk away with. Absolutely. Because let's talk about play. I found the way to work it in here and I warned Brett it was coming. Barbie at Epcot, 1994. Emily and I are fangirling right now. I'm so Bring sorry, Brett. We're about to hijack your podcast. It's okay. Tammy anybody has to do it. On board on this. We've been looking for a oh forum to do this because there's no book. So we can't talk about can't it on our show because we can't link it to a book. So thank you, you for giving us this opportunity of how much we loved Barbie at Epcot 94. For I those hope you, don't there know. are some other <laughs> listeners that are fangirling I know it's with Tammy. us right Tammy's like interviewed people and all. Um, there was a VHS that you got for one penny if you purchased a Barbie in the 90s. And tangentially to that, during Epcot 94, they were celebrating Barbie's birthday. I don't even think it was a milestone birthday for Barbie, but they're just like, you know what? It's Barbie's birthday. And there was a show in the America Gardens Theater where Barbie went around the world and they filmed portions of that show as well as two young girls, probably like tween age, uh, going around the park. They talked to guests and the guests made birthday cards for Barbie. They learned about different cultures and I did not own the VHS, but my neighbor did. And so anytime I went to play at my next door neighbor's house, I was like, mm, can we watch the Barbie and Epcot video and then play Barbies? But Emily owned the video and she has the high nostalgia for it too. It was a regular rotation. Um, so like when we talked about Disney sing-alongs, sing-along songs are the perfect for a kid. Like, I want to watch a movie before 25 bed. 25 minutes. Yep. We thought it was like a movie, but parents were like, it's 25 minutes. Um, that It was the same thing. It's a half hour VHS and it was just colorful. It was that nostalgia of because we were growing up without social media, super internet, like we would play the... Walt Disney World CD-ROM games because when you couldn't go to the park, exactly. you would connect to it in any way you could. So watching Barbie at Epcot was also, I'm in Epcot and Barbie is also here. Uh, I do remember meeting Barbie. I have, I could pull so it up. Um, I could show you. I have my first autograph book, uh, real old school autograph book. And I have Barbie and Ken's autograph in it. And I met them in front of, I think it was in front of Spaceship Earth. Um, they were out that way. Or I just remember seeing Spaceship Earth. So it might have been American Garage Theater because you can see that in the background. But I, that was really cool. And then looking back, I was like, why were they there? But I'm not complaining because I have Barbie's autograph. So that's cool. And yeah. just on a deeply personal level, <laughs> I love it so much that uh, I am getting married next year. And Emily is one of my bridesmaids. And my bachelorette party theme is going to be at Epcot. And it is Barbie at Epcot. Get ready for pictures. <laughs> we're, we're, we're going full 90s, fanny packs, and we're going around the world having fun. We got Just the outfits that are on the cover of, if, of, the, of VHS, the VHS, the t-shirts. My t-shirt will say happening. bride, but in Barbie font. Like, we love theming here. Very subtle about your it. adoration for it. <laughs> we're really hoping for someone plan a trip in February so that you might run into us somewhat we're hoping someone sees it and without us ever Forget saying it. what it is just goes Barbie and Epcot and our day will be made you're like I don't I don't even care if nobody knows I know and that's all that matters 
So thank you, Brad. I know, I know yeah. that went out of very deep, weird <laughs> no, tension. No, that's brilliant. It's a weird Give piece of Epcot for Epcot's history that Barbie just had a show there, and we encourage. Oh, year. Look it up on YouTube. It's a trip. It's a it trip is. and a half. And but it, speak- it, go ahead, please. I was to say, speaking of the Garden Theater, though, like Barbie had a show there, but there's been lots of shows there. Do you guys have any other favorites? I was actually going to segue into that very point, which is in the late 90s there, I don't know the name of it, but it was basically Mickey and friends and other Disney characters traveling around the world and they would meet characters from those countries and like you would hear, I think it was one of the Snow White songs in in German and other uh, manifestations of that with other countries. I remember that being, again, compelling as as a kid. To, to see the characters, to hear the songs, but interpreted differently because it's just not English, right? So it was very different from my own experience. I don't remember that, but I would love to look that up on YouTube. So I'll be doing that after this. We were often there in the summer and they would do for a while a Sounds Like Summer series, which was literally just Epcot hired different cover bands and whoever happened to be playing. Uh, like there was two U, a U2 cover band, but I remember, I don't remember their name, but I saw an ABBA cover band and ABBA is probably one of my favorite bands of all time. And I was living my best life in the American Garden Theater watching that ABBA cover band with my mom. I'm doing a quick Google of trying to find all the past shows because sometimes, especially as a kid, I kind of forget what things I saw at American Garden Theater, what things I saw at another theater, another park. Mm-hmm. Like the first thing that came to my mind was Tarzan Rocks, but that was an yeah, Animal, Kingdom. Animal Kingdom. That wasn't American Garden Theater. Also a great show. The um, Guardian show that they did a few summers ago is actually pretty cool. Yeah. Um, what I'm seeing here in 1999, they had Lord of the Dance, a revised version of that. Um, I guess like a I shorter version. And I remember that. Yeah. They, had, stomp. they said Blast was here, which yes, I've seen like their Blast version before. Of stomp. <laughs> um, right. So that's lots of cool stuff. I've seen the Candlelight professional, uh, Processional. Um, and I love the Eat to the Beat. And now Festival of the Arts, that is the best, oh, is having the Broadway one. The Broadway. I love how that was like two weekends we're doing Broadway and they had all these other things. And then there's just like everyone, Broadway. Every we're night. Every night. Broadway. That's all that matters. Yep. Most importantly, my my Barbie at Epcot Bachelorette Party overlaps with Festival of the Arts. So we will be going to the Broadway. <laughs> That's good timing. And I feel like that's starting to, you know, in terms of the Broadway stars in Epcot, that's really showing a lot of synergy across different parts of Disney, not only Disney on Broadway, but because so many of those, yeah, so many of the Broadway stars have been on Disney Cruise Line over the years. So to bring them on into the parks makes natural sense. Why not take advantage of that uh, star power and and that singing quality? Fantastic show. What are you all most hoping for with Epcot's future? I know we've talked a little bit about it, uh, more figment in the parks, et cetera. Um, we do have the, the only really explicit announcements that we have so far are that Journey of Waters coming in uh, late 2023. There's going to be the Communicore Hall and Plaza, basically uh, a, a new entertainment space, so to speak, um, in the in the World Celebration area. We're no longer getting the multi-story uh, viewing platform. To, to my understanding, um, the Figment meeting grade is coming, but and the return of Epcot Forever, if I'm not mistaken, I heard that uh, that will be taking over Harmonious uh, later in 2023. But those are the clear announcements at this point. But what are your interpretations or, or hopes for what Epcot's next 
four years or next 40 years encompass? I like the idea. This might be controversial, but I'm okay with changing the name of Future World. I will probably always continue <laughs> to call it Future World in my brain because uh, it is hard to rewire 30 years of habit. Uh, but like I'm Disney okay. Springs, yeah. downtown Disney. So, I, I adapted that one quickly. It took me a long time to actually, it took me until coming to work for Disney again. All these are my own and do not represent the Walt Disney Company. Got that in there. Uh, to not call Disney's Hollywood Studios MGM because I called it MGM up until I started working for Disney. I was like, I cannot tell a guest. Yeah, you got to go to MGM and they're going to look at me <laughs> like I have four heads. All that to say, I, I like the concept of world discovery, world celebration, world nature, like focusing on these specific themes. Uh, since as we kind of talked about, we've moved away from like being in exhibition of of future technology to more like how can we better our world now with with what we have yeah if we're going to move away from that and we've seen future world has just been so lackluster other than like the few couple attractions that stuck around as long as they did I'm happy to see that it's going to have things again even if it's not what you know Epcot super fans maybe we want or the nostalgia that we're hoping for I'm just happy that we're investing in Epcot and we're trying to make it a place where a lot of people want to come. And I'm hope the thing I'm hoping for more so is I really loved the addition of Remy's Ratatouille Adventure. Um, Courtney's conversation, I think all three of us have had this conversation before um, off podcast that more B or C ticket attractions in World Showcase, I think is super necessary. Like I really hope the Mary Poppins attraction idea comes back. We don't need as much as I would love more rise of the resistance level or cosmic rewind level rides. Like I love grand fiesta tour. I love that you have an, there should be an attraction. That's not just a movie in every pavilion because that gets people to engage with it. It gets people to step further back into the pavilion. It also helps lines get shorter because they don't have as many attractions. So every attraction has a super long line right now. We need things to space out crowds And I think that's what's also going to help maybe the next generation of we're the generation that we grew up liking Epcot later in life. This could be things that help people love Epcot throughout their entire fanhood because there are things to attract kids to all portions of the park. Yeah, those are really astute points. I I really hope some of those ideas that had been mentioned at 2019 D23 Expo materialized. You know, there was also the notion of that they were filming a new China film. And mind you, uh, kind of to your point, like it's that doesn't perhaps have, have as much repeat value, but we've had the same film for 20 years and that's good. But I would love a, a new film. The Canva interview. got a new film in the last five years and it's wonderful. Right, exactly. And and mind you, the Canada film, I think, was updated prior to that in like 20, uh, 2007, 2008. So um, wh- why not update? Certainly we do not need a new Impressions Day France because that's just brilliant. But um, like, let's not mess with that. That's, I think that's the only remaining uh, attraction that hasn't changed at all since since the park opened. Well, now they have the Beauty and the Beast sing-along in there. But so like alternate. it alternates. Yeah. I like that idea. Yeah. That's yeah so I'm not forget, don't get rid of the beautiful bit, uh, movie cinema things that we have there. I'm not saying get rid yeah, of those, but sure. there's that education part. And then yeah. you can go do the fun part and both help spread out crowds. They all get people to do new things, go deeper into those pavilions, explore them more. And I thought Remy was really charming. I know some people were mad about like, it's exactly the same as France. Well, 
that's to me it was okay because I've also never been to Disneyland Paris so for me it was still completely new and I thought it was a lot of fun yeah I'm excited for the Walt Disney statue that we got to see unveiled Mm. um, not just uh concept art yeah they had the actual statue at the D23 so I think that'll be a beautiful addition the new entrance is probably one of the things I love the most right now and the beacons and magic. I hope that stays as we transition out of the 50th, that they'll keep doing the the light shows on Spaceship Earth. RIP to my leave a legacy though. I mean, they're, they're at the exit, but text me or something. Find me on Twitter <laughs> and I will tell you where my leave a legacy is. And you can see me as a seven-year-old and my dad because we left a legacy. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I, I certainly hope that there are these timeless elements of the park that are not, certainly we know we're going to get more IP and, and that's all well and fine if it's, you know, appropriately situated. And I, I like the notion of with Moana and telling, again, that edutainment factor like that, that'll be interesting. Uh, I certainly, I would love to see the play pavilion come to life. That wasn't, it wasn't referenced at the expo to the dismay of, of many a Disney fan, um, but we know that it is probably still happening in, in some respect. Um, but I, I also really want to see Disney capitalize, if they want to go the IP direction, capitalize on the live action films. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we talked a little bit about Mary Poppins. I feel like it would be, make so much sense to bring National Treasure into the oh, park God. via the American Adventure Pavilion. Yes. Not, not to dis- not to take away think the show, of that. but it 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 makes so much sense. Like I, I keep envisioning Sign an Indiana Jones adventure type experience. What okay, if what? the Go new ahead. adventure around like the cell phone adventure is national treasure theme, but it's world treasure, and that's oh, where they go with a new film. I know we're getting the television series treasures because there's more than one nation. Very true, and that's it. You're you're going Gold. treasure hunting through around the world. That's yes. it. Sign me up. <laughs> I love it. I just, I feel like now the two words of what if really uh, have a bad uh, taste in my mouth because mm-hmm. of that encompassing the, the expo presentation on, on multiple fronts. So I have, I have strong opinions about that, but <laughs> that well, might be for an offline conversation. Yeah. Um, I also am really hopeful with Epcot's future that they, you know, we talk about this notion of, of elevating the education component. I really would love to see, as Epcot had more so in its first decade or so, but where there would be, you know, bring bring school children to the parks more and finding opportunities to have tie-ins. Like I know Disney sold or 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 distributed like these these books meant for elementary school age children on the different themes of Future World, and why not find ways to do something like that as something you could purchase in the gift shop, but with the characters, right? Like to have a whole, you know, inside out makes perfect sense with imagination as we've long talked about, but like to help kids better understand like uh, emotional regulation, why not? Like, and, and, and then to tie that in with just some of the interpretive elements of imagination. So, I mean, we, we can come up with a ton of merchandise ideas, but I'd like to see more of that. All good some, ideas. Some other new things that I think would be easy to I know we always throw out like a new land everyone would love to see new countries come to world showcase but I think one that would be easy to do that we could get soon would just be integrate another festival I know we have a lot of them but 
instead of making food and wine, maybe like six months out of the year now, it's like, it keeps getting longer. Um, have another one of some sort. Um, I don't know what that would be, but that's what got people coming. Once they brought in Festival of the Arts, people really rallied around that one. I know, um, what is it? Flower and Garden, I think was the first festival they ever had. Um, and then Food and Wine came later. I think that's the order. Uh, but now we have four of them. Let's make a fifth. I don't know. Or one that you change out or do limited ones for like two weeks or things that locals can really come attracted to uh, to keep coming more and more. Because again, once Food and Wine is there for like six months, you might have gone two or three times, hit every kiosk, and maybe your repeat is now over the next six months. So what if you change and have another festival? I think would be an easy thing to do. They have the kiosks. You just need different food menus a different scavenger hunt around the world. Like it's a very easy, I think, thing that they can incorporate very quickly to bring some newness if people are looking for just a different thing to do. Absolutely. I would also say to incorporate elements of world discovery, world nature, world mm -hmm. celebration into the festival. So what comes naturally to me is like, why not have like a major science fair, like a, a celebration of science. Yeah. And then you could sell science themed food. Like, I mean, there's, you could bring in guest speakers who are, you know, astronauts and I don't know, people who work in uh, just a variety of different disciplines. And even bring the festival to the front of the park, not mm -hmm. just the back of the park anymore. That'd be cool. Yeah. And even, even a way to bring in like local high schoolers to showcase some of their experiments. Like, you know, we're, I feel like we're just feeding Disney with ideas, but these are not, I mean, obviously they would require a lot of resources and some infrastructure, but I'm, but there's, there's ways of combining these different priorities that aren't just strictly uh, limited to these, you know, humongous attractions or, or just like, let's introduce a new food to the festival. There are, there are different interpretations. So right. they've got two convention spaces in Epcot. Um, so yeah, you have the space. You wouldn't have to do a lot of building or retheming, maybe just some signage. Um, but yeah, especially bringing in local schools. Um, I have some experience with National History Day, which is the science fair version of history. And people travel from all over the country to participate in that. So think of what that means, though, that you get to go to Walt Disney World. Um, that turns into a family vacation because someone is showcasing something in a science fair. Yeah. Disney's Imagination Fair. I don't know. <laughs> exactly. I feel like the future future is maybe a bit uncertain at times, but it's certainly bright. And and I imagine we will have stuff to look forward to, even if not everything has been announced at this juncture. But yeah, Emily, feel free to jump something, in. Something um, kind of going totally new here. Um, something that kind of was interesting to me is we're getting stuff now. Everyone's like, yay, Epcot's 40th. But do you feel like the 35th got a much bigger like hullabaloo for it and I know like usually like 10 15 20 30 or 25 then 30 like maybe every five years people celebrate stuff I feel like after 30 you tend to wait to like the 50th sometimes but I feel like uh, I've caught 35 maybe because the new rebranding came out but I feel like the 40th we're just hearing stuff about the 40th and it's in three weeks but I haven't like seen a lot for it before that, where I felt like Epcot 35, I knew about like a year in advance. I feel like part of that is we're still in the tail end of the 50th celebration for Walt Disney World. I mean, 
I feel bad that Epcot opened 11 years after Magic Kingdom did because it all, it's day. always going to be in the shadow of that. Um, I don't know that the 35th was huge. I mean, there was definitely merchandise and I was there that day and you know they had a little ceremony. Um, but I don't Maybe know I just felt like there was more on day. social media about it. Maybe it's because right. I was just posting so much. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe it was all it was all you it was telling just me everything. me influencing you. Um yeah, because I, I you sent me that D23 is doing something special. 40th event. Yeah. I think they did something for the the 35th they as have, well. Yeah. They're they're usually good about the heritage of that park, but I I do feel that it's often unfortunately overshadowed. You might be right by... with it being the 50th year and 35th year, it wasn't a year for Magic Kingdom. Right. So Epcot was able to be the star right it's still in the shadow of an 18 month long but they did drop uh the merchandise for the 40th yeah i like the the rainbow effect i do love something that i guess that came back the 80s branding like the font Mm -hmm. like that style is back so even though we're getting a lot of newness there is also bringing back the fountain all of that um heritage is making its way integrating in with the new, which I really like. And I like the new Epcot like merch and branding that they have is fan or it's not really that new, but re-inspired. Yeah. I, I really enjoy. But yeah, they just dropped the merchandise recently, like um some it says teasers. So we yeah. should be getting the full media coverage of that probably soon. Oh yeah. And, and certainly for listeners, we are recording this uh, a little bit before the anniversary. And um so that episode will have dropped after. But what what I am excited about with the future is, as you're saying, there's that respect for Epcot's past in terms of these smaller elements, right? So like with the merchandise, um, naming the new uh, venue Communicore Hall and Plaza. I mean, it's, it's, there are little gestures and perhaps it's a bit of fan service, but I think it's, it's, it's a nice touch. I'm, I'm curious, what, uh, what do you think we will see in terms of Epcot books or music being more widely distributed in the future before and i'll use this as the last question before we head off but we talked about how there are missed opportunities perhaps in not streaming some of the music um we also got in the past some really awesome books about epcot uh, published by by disney or or those you know pictorial souvenirs do we think any of that could be in the cards for the next at least 10 years some i was gonna say 50th I feel like Epcot is still in such a state of becoming what its next iteration is going to be that hopefully by the 50th, it's the cohesive uh, piece there. So I think that would be a great way to honor 50 years of that park. Um, And I would love to see a book for that as well as an anniversary release of the music because I've got all my 80s and 90s tunes on vinyl, but like let's update it with the latest stuff because you named some great more contemporary references as well earlier. I think a book I would like to see maybe for the 50th or whenever the new we keep getting told that Spaceship Earth is getting its refurb even though we don't know when that is we just keep always hearing it um whenever that happens a book I would like would be a book looking at all the different variations of how Spaceship Earth has evolved with the park as well and I think that could be a good way to pay homage to this park icon who has that has been there since the beginning, um, but also how it's changed a lot and 
also some of those consistencies, maybe then we can have some appreciation that we all have our version that we love and connect with, but recognizing the overall message of like the purpose of Spaceship Earth hasn't changed, even if how we communicate that message has changed. But I think that'd be a cool way to get some um, history, but also some artifacts. You pull in the nostalgia of people who want to see their version maybe in print or have some photos of it. So I think that would be cool because we do get a lot of books about the history of Epcot and particularly World Showcase with sponsorships and working with world governments, but just Spaceship Earth itself, I think would be a cool book. And the audiobook could be narrated by Dame Judi Dench with a cameo appearance by Jeremy Irons. On that note, uh, how might listeners be able to follow Book of the Mouse Club and where, they, where can they hear more about all the exciting stuff in the world of Courtney and Emily? If you want to keep up with me, I'm Courtney. Uh, I am on Instagram at Great Guthsby and on Twitter at Courtney underscore Guth. I will turn it over to Emily for her channels. You can follow me on uh, the same handle at both uh, Instagram and Twitter at Emily underscore McD. That's M-I-C-K-D-E. And as for Book of the Mouse Club, uh, we aim to put out an episode at least once a month inspired by the Book of the Month Club. Uh, We have our own selections, guest readers like Brett on our show, as well as uh, some wonderful author interviews. Uh, At the time of this episode's release, our most recent selection will probably have been the Hocus Pocus two sequel book that came out in 2018, which we'll be comparing to the uh, upcoming or now now out there uh, Disney Plus show. So that will be sure to be filled with hot takes galore uh, and lots of selections onward for the future. So anywhere that you find Notably Disney, you can likely find Book of the Mouse Club podcast. We are on Twitter and Instagram at Book of the Mouse. Uh, so we always welcome readers between our shows. Uh, we are so grateful for the friendship that you have provided us here. And we will definitely be sure to have you back on next year as a guest reader. Wonderful. It's always a, a wonderful conversation. What I always appreciate about the three of us being in a space is there's an appreciation for uh, education. And, and that's what I feel like Epcot really represents, even if it's taken on different forms um, and, and that notion of edutainment. And I, I really appreciate this dialogue with both of you on Epcot's 40th and may the next 40 years be very fruitful for this park that we all appreciate. Thanks Thank so you for having us, Brett. Thank you. And of course, my thanks go out to Courtney and Emily for joining me once again on Notably Disney, and I hope you have an opportunity to experience Epcot as it embarks on this new chapter of its journey. Thanks again for joining me on another episode of Notably Disney. I invite you to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. Follow me on Twitter at bnachmanreports. That's B-N-A-C-H-M-A-N reports and be among the first to find out about the release of new episodes. I also encourage you to send me an email to notablydisney at gmail.com regarding your thoughts of the show, as well as suggestions for content. So until we turn the page on another chapter, I'm Brett, and thanks for listening to Notably Disney. Notably Disney is not affiliated with the Walt Disney Company or any of its subsidiaries. Consequently, the perspectives and opinions expressed by the host and guests are strictly theirs and do not represent the views of the Walt Disney Company and its employees. The main purpose of the Notably Disney podcast is to offer information and critiques about the Walt Disney Company.